Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. In our previous podcast, we presented part one of a lesson dealing with things that the scriptures say we are not to love. We began with our text in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, that says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so we discussed the things of the world and how we're not to love those things. We then went on to a second point in dealing with Paul's first epistle to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and in verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And so we talked about the fact that there's nothing wrong with money in and of itself, but when one has a love of money, when one covets money, when one desires money and that becomes their focal point, then they lose their focus on God and his word. So today we want to pick up with part two of our lesson dealing with things that we are not to love. A third thing we can think about as far as what the scriptures reveal about things we should not love, we should not love the praises of men. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Here, beginning in verse 37, it says, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah saith again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things saith Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I think we all enjoy when others speak well of us, when others mention how much they appreciate the things that we do, whatever those things may be. Everybody wants to not only feel needed, but appreciated. And so nice words from others do that. Thank you so very much for what you did at this time. I really appreciate this. I really value you. I'm so thankful for you. We all love those things. And yet, those are not to be our motivation for why we live the way we do. And this seems to be the focus of our current culture. The approval of others. The voice of the majority. I want to know how many likes I can get from this thing or that thing. What we learn is that Satan is good about twisting something that in and of itself might be nice and simple and making it a temptation for us. And Jesus warns us that men are fickle. They may like you today, but they may turn around and hate you tomorrow. Trying to satisfy them then is a never-ending journey that gets you nowhere. Jesus said in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 6, verse 26, he said, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. 
People speak well of us when they agree with us, and then they don't speak well of us when they disagree with us. And if we're about teaching the truth, they're going to disagree with us. It's natural to want to be liked. It's dangerous when wanting to be liked is our single motivation for why we do what we do. We should be seeking to do what God says is right, whether others like us or not. Jesus came to glorify the Father on earth, knowing full well that men would hate him. And so seeking the praises of men, the love of men, is something that we should not be doing. Another thing that is mentioned in Scripture, and that is we should not love to have the preeminence. In John's third epistle, a very short epistle, he mentions a particular individual who decided to set himself up over the church, in effect, and to run the church. Looking in John's third epistle, he said in verse 8, We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. So he's talking about these individuals that were being sent and how the church should receive them, that they could receive fellow workers. But then he said, verse 9, I wrote unto the church, But Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, not content therewith, neither that he himself received the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Here is a situation where a man sought to be greater than other men, and it blinded him to the truth. And, and maybe it was a situation where Diotrephes wanted the praises of men and could not stand having someone greater around. Whatever the case, he had gotten to the point where he became the rule. He was the one to decide whether or not the apostles were right or wrong. He was the one to decide whether or not the fellow brethren should be received into the church. He became the standard instead of God's word. That's what eventually happens to individuals who seek to be over others. When the truth is taught and it conflicts with their desires, they deny the truth and they substitute their own standard for the truth. Humility is something that draws us closer to God. Selfishness is that which excludes us from God's presence. James, in his epistle, James chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, he said, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So how is one therefore drawn into a relationship with God? We humble ourselves. Verse 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. I see myself as a child of God whose role is to obey God, to accept what God provides for me and to be content with it and live the life that God says I can live and allow him to declare me as being righteous and as being one who is worthy of eternal life. I don't take it upon myself to determine whether or not I'm better than anyone else. We live again in a culture where there's a, a great determination to be seen as better than others. Humility 
in Jesus Christ will help to prohibit us from having such an attitude. Another concept of love we find that we're not to have is found in 1 John chapter 3 where he said in verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Loving not in the word only. To some today, their word is useless. They promise, hoping to avoid fulfilling that promise. They know what it is we want to hear, so they say it, but they never have any intent in honoring their promises. They never fulfill it by deed. John says that if we say that we need to do, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. Our word should be a testimony of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. When Peter in his first epistle talked about the example of our Lord, he said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Guile is deceit. Guile is deception. Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Speak the truth always. There is no reason for us to lie to one another. Um, one of the cable stations, I think it's a station out of Nashville, plays mostly, it seems, um, a lot of TV shows from the 60s. So they play Andy Griffith and Gomer Pyle and uh, uh, several other programs. Uh, but regularly they play a lot of Andy Griffith. And I was watching one yesterday. And it was an episode where he had a cousin to come and stay. And this guy was just running ramshod over everybody and wouldn't listen to Andy. And so there was some escaped criminals that had been caught. And Andy called his cousin up, who was boasting that he would love to go uh, catch these criminals. And Andy said, uh, they're in town and I need you to help me. I'm coming home and you and I together, we're going to go and we're going to catch those criminals. Well, as soon as the cousin heard this, he packs the family up and they take off because he's just boasting. He does not want to have anything to do with that. And Andy knew that. But I guess the point I'm getting to is Andy lied. He lied about it and he knew that if he did that, this cousin would leave. And so even in looking at, you know, a simple program like that, it's part of the world's emphasis to say, look, everybody lies and sometimes we need to lie. Sometimes we have to lie to make people feel better. Sometimes we have to lie to get ourselves out of a different situation. Jesus never lied. There's no reason for us to say, I have to lie. I have to be deceitful. If we're going to follow the example of Jesus Christ, we need to speak the truth in love and then follow that up with our actions. James, in James chapter 1, in verses 22 through 24, said, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. If you are one who speaks but does not do, then you are not simply forgetful, but you are one who is not following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Our final thought on things that we're warned not to love is not 
to love ourselves. In Romans chapter 12 and in verse 3, Paul was inspired to write, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The greatest failure that exists in any culture is self-love. When everybody in effect is told, do what you want to do, do what makes you happy, do what you think you ought to do. That's selfishness. And selfishness leads to greed, it leads to envy, it leads to jealousy, it leads to hatred, and eventually it leads to murder. Jesus trusted in our Heavenly Father to provide all things. He came to do the Father's will. He taught the Father's will. He led by example in providing testimony to the Father's will. It may be that lots of folks say you need to look out for number one, and that might be a good catchphrase, but it makes for poor discipleship. Jesus came to sacrifice. Jesus came to demonstrate godly love. And if we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we must also do likewise. And that means with humility, and that means with selflessness, and that means honoring our Father through His Word. Love can be a good thing as well as a bad thing. Loving God, loving His Son, loving His people, loving the lost, all of these are things that are taught in God's Word and are emphasized as being good and as being just and as being worthy of our attention and our imitation. But when love turns wholly inward, Loving what the world offers us, loving money, loving the praise of men, loving having preeminence over others, loving only in word or loving ourselves, we fail our Heavenly Father and we lose any hope we have of eternal fellowship with Him. God shows us in His word the right type of love and He shows us the wrong type of love so that we can follow the one and we can avoid the other. Godly love is selfless, it is humble, and it is obedient to his will. Satan is very good about twisting God's word so that many people do not develop true godly love. They're convinced that God loves them as they are, that they can do what they've been doing and continue doing that and have the full attention of God without repenting. That doing as others do and loving the world and loving themselves they can still have the love of God. But nothing that is in this world will continue into eternity. Only those who are in Jesus Christ are those who will continue beyond this realm. And the only way that you can be in Jesus Christ is by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel message that was preached was preached that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ. We would accept the evidence of the scriptures that he came into this world and he lived a sinless life. And though he was sinless, he was crucified on the cross for our sins. He was buried and on the third day resurrected. And now he's ascended into heaven where he's seated on the right hand of the Father above. Where he is our only mediator. He is our high priest and he is our king. His blood has been shed upon the mercy seat that we can take advantage of it for the remission of our sins. And if we'll believe the message of the gospel, confess Jesus as Christ, 
repent of our sins and be baptized for the remission of our sins. God's solemn promise is to take away all of our sin by the blood of Jesus Christ, welcome us into his fold, to provide for us now through his word, and have a place prepared for us in heaven for life eternal. Once again, this is Jim Walsh. Thank you so very much for listening to my podcast on Eagle's Wings. I hope that you have a wonderful day.